0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles.
1: Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way.
0: Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you, still basking in the glow of beating the Canes. That one's not going to get old for a while, Keith. That was fun. It, it is indeed a good day. <laughs> it, it's, been a, it's going to be a good day for the next
2: 365, I think, Keith, based on that one. Well, if Florida State could get fortunate enough to um, do something similar in the next two games, uh, then, yeah, uh, 365 or whatever form, uh, uh, less than that. Once you get past the regular season, uh, we'll continue to uh, bask in the glow.
0: Let me set the table for our audience today. We're going to talk with former seminal Bryant McFadden coming up in our next segment. Won a couple Super Bowls with the Steelers. You guys remember BMAC highly touted recruit played well at Florida state now in broadcasting and we'll get his uh, South Florida kid too. Originally he's right. not a kid anymore. He's a man has been for a while, but if you're from South Florida, the the Canes rivalry and the win means a little bit more. So we'll talk with BMAC. And then uh, this game has recruiting implications. It always does. Charles Fishbine from the uh, Osceola and has been a recruiting guru for a, for a long time in the state of Florida. We'll get his thoughts on, on the potential impact. Keith, I want to go back to the game, though, real quick. And I, I can't remember if we talked about this on Saturday in our postgame recap. But do you know what was going through my mind after we scored to take a one point lead and we're lining up for the two-point try? Did I talk about this? You did not, did I recall? This is how scarred I am from Miami. I'm oh, thinking I know where you're going. I know where I'm you're thinking going. just don't turn it over and let them go the other direction on the two-point try. That's how scarred
2: I am, because that went through my head. <laughs> uh well, as long as we've been around this rivalry and as many of crazy things that have been seen. Uh, I don't blame you for that. I don't. I don't think maybe I would admit that to the public like you just did. But that's your call, not mine. <laughs> but I hear you. <laughs> well, I was just like, don't throw
0: an out pattern. You know, like I'm okay running it. Just don't throw anything to the sideline at the at the pylon there. But uh, anyway, uh, Keith, we we did a good job dissecting the game the other night. I'm, I'm sure there's. Oh, I know one thing. I do need to do. I need to formally apologize to Brendan Gant because in my head I had it that he was the one who ran into the kicker and, and it was not, it was Brownlee, which doesn't excuse the penalty, but I sort of piled on, on Gant there. So I do want to set the record straight on that. Sometimes when you're on the field, Keith, you know, everybody wants to be
2: on the field. You really don't have a great view of a lot of what's going on at times. <laughs> it, it, for anyone who's actually been down there, they come to understand, well, I'm glad I did that. That was great. I can put that on my bucket list, but let me go back up here and sit where I can see I, what you can appreciate. I always say this. You,
0: you realize how big they are, how fast they run and how hard they hit. What you don't know is, was that a four-yard gain or a 14-yard gain? And that's just, that's, that's the way it works. And by the way, my eyes are getting old. Who was that exactly? Apologize to Brendan. We'll talk with Bryant McFadden when we come back and then recruiting talk later in the show. We're just getting started here on Front Row Knowles.
1: Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles.
0: Please to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to uh, a great seminal, Bryant McFadden, couple times Super Bowl champ. BMAC, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank, thanks for coming on. And uh, we could talk to about anybody who uh, put their blood, sweat, and tears onto the turf at Doe Campbell, and they'd be, be – that, that wore the garnet gold, and they'd be smiling ear to ear as you are right now. But I figure, why not get somebody with some South Florida roots? Because I imagine there's some, some conversations that might take place over the next 365 days or so. Would that be accurate? Uh,
3: no question. No question. I'm excited. Uh, being a part of Florida State, you know what that game means. Uh, fans know what it means. It's not just about bragging rights. It's about pride. A lot goes into the prep of playing in that ball game. A lot goes into the prep of cheering. Uh, for either side in that ball game. So just seeing how it all unfolded this past Saturday, yes, yes, I will be smiling for the next year until we face off in 2022.
2: (laughs) Brian, I know uh, having come from that area, maybe some of us up in Tallahassee don't have a true understanding of how how competitive high school is and then how that carries over into the college game. But uh, give us a little insight about growing up in that area and then having to play the Canes.
3: Yeah, growing up in South Florida, um, oddly enough, it's either you are a Hurricane or, or a Seminole. And, and for some reason, there's not, it's not a lot of Gators in South Florida like that. You might see them sprinkled here or there, uh, but the majority is either Florida State or Miami. And for me, growing up in high school, I mean, growing up down there and playing high school ball down there, being a top recruit, clearly Miami was definitely on my front doorstep and my back. And then, of course, Bobby and the Seminoles are right there as well. So I got a lot of criticism, received a lot of criticism and, 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 and flack for going to uh, leaving South Florida to go to Florida State. Um, but now, being a part of the robbery, being long gone from Florida State, still having so many friends in the South Florida area that root for the Hurricanes, uh, they're annoying. I think they're, the, they're they're the most annoying fan base in college football. And the reason why I say that, I'm not just saying that because I went to Florida State. I'm saying that because they're like the New York Knicks fans in the NBA. They haven't won in a long, long time, but every year is their year. Every year. And one, one thing that I'm tired of hearing is they start off maybe 2-0, and two 3-0, and or 4-1. and oh, they didn't have that type of start this year, but they're always saying they're back. It's like, we're back. The U is back. The U is back. So I guess if you're saying you're back, you're admitting you left. Is that what you're doing? (laughs) So for you to be back, you have to leave, right? I I, I know, you know, when it comes to uh, 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 certain things, we're paraphrasing and and putting things together. I I can comprehend pretty good. But when you say you're back, that means you left. And you always hear that, right? Almost every year. Oh, the U is back. We're back. Come on. Let's keep it real. So they're annoying because it feels like they think they're a championship caliber team, a national championship caliber team every year. Heck, you're not even a conference championship team you haven't even won a conference since joining the ACC so because of that and every year they talk so much trash you know it's almost like oh we always better than you even when I was there you know when I played at Florida State nine times out of ten our game always came down to a field goal right they found a way to win we didn't but if you talk to a UM fan back in those days you felt like the game wasn't competitive like, like they just blew us out forty to zero, something like that. No, sometimes they got the best of us, but for the majority of those ball games, it will always go down to a one possession like ball game, and they talk so much trash. So that it, it's more about shutting up Miami fans than gloating in front of them, because when they talk trash, they they're the most annoying fan base I think in college football.
0: <laughs> I, I think we put that one on a platter for you, B Mac. We're talking with Bryant McFadden. Okay, I do want to talk about your specialty and, and FSU's improved play in the defensive backfield. But before we get there, 4th and 14, tell me what you're doing as you're watching the game, and it's 4th and 14, and you're thinking, are we going to blow this or are we
3: going to win this? Yo, real, real talk, real talk. I was in the studio uh, for CBS Saturday watching the game, and I was with one of the producers. We were in the green room watching the game. That's an area where you have all the games, you know, on different monitors I can watch. And when that fourth and 14 came up, I literally stood up and I told him, I said, listen, we're going to score a touchdown right here. And he's like, what? Because he's a big Penn State guy. He's like, what? He's like, man, you just talked. I said, no, we're going to score a touchdown right here. Granted, we didn't score a touchdown, but it was basically an inch or so away. That was a huge play. And the reason why it was such a huge play, granted, it gave us an opportunity to win this ball game. But, but guys, think about this, right? How many times have we been on the wrong end of a stick of a play like that? it seems like we will always be in a situation to win a ball game and we'll be, we'll be on the opposite side and they will convert or we do something that would hurt our chances in winning. So that was the first thing that I felt like, wow, finally the ball bounced in our favor (laughs) an ideal play call against a zone concept. Uh, The receiver was able to run his dig route. Great pass by Jordan Travis in that particular drive. Jordan Travis had two of his best passes, the entire ball game, the deep ball, uh, to uh, I can't recall the recipient of that first J-
0: Jakai Douglas. Jacai Douglas, Douglas, Douglas
3: hit hit him in stride, right? Yeah. And then uh, the the dig route that we're that we're that we're talking about was two of his best passes in the entire ball game.
2: Right? You mentioned the green room. C- catch our listeners up on what you're doing now, because you your career has not uh, waned very much after you left the the gridiron.
3: I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm a football analyst for CBS Sports HQ. Uh, cover collegiate football. Saturday, like I said, I was in the green room watching all the games. Uh, that's one of the best jobs I can have now actually playing football because I watch football and I talk about football. I mean, I'm going to do that anyway. And then Sunday, I get ready <laughs> for the NFL. And I have my own podcast, by the way, All Things Covered. That's on the CBS Sports Podcast platform with my cousin, all-pro corner Patrick Peterson of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we just had John Smoltz on last week recapping the Braves. Uh, championship run. Uh, we, we we highlight baseball, basketball, of course, NFL, college football. I had Mike Norvell on as well. Norvell was on a few episodes ago uh, before the season actually kicked off. So uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm doing I'm Excellent. doing what I like Excellent. to do: talk football and talk sports. Cool. Well, and you're
0: doing great at it. So congratulations, and we appreciate a few minutes of your time. All right, Duke Cooper. Uh, you may have known him. You're part of you're part of DBU, so you might have known his pedigree and about this, but. Uh, he he's sort of arrived on the scene in the last couple of weeks, had a pick against Clemson and really balled out against Miami. What do you see when you watch him play? A
3: guy that plays with no conscience. That's what I love about the young fella. He plays with no conscience. If he gives up a catch or two, he gets up and play, come right back at it. Uh, he has no, it, 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 he has a short-term memory, and he just plays the game the right way. And the thing about seeing a young guy, that's always around the football, that's just who he is. When you start seeing young players, especially in the secondary, that might not know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, play in and play out, but they always have a knack for being around the football, they will eventually become a big-time playmaker if he stays, in co- uh, stays the course and do what they want him to do. But, yeah, huge game. And in that type of ball game, sometimes you might see young players, the lights might be too bright for them. You know what I mean? Miami national stage. Granted, the game is not to the level as it once was. It's still a big deal, but sometimes the lights might be a little too bright for young players, and they might fold, or it might take some time for them to get acclimated to the to, 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 to the atmosphere. For him, instantly, he showed like he should have been in that starting lineup. Because initially, I was like, "Wait a minute, like thirty seven, like the Clemson ball game, right? Go back Clemson, I'm like thirty seven, who freaking thirty seven I Dang." Because cause Nose went to my high school. Kevin, okay. I, I really love Kevin game as well. I think he's going to be a big-time player. And I might be biased if he went to my high school. But, I mean, the play speaks for itself. He cracked the start lineup; they can't get him out. But now you got Cooper in there as well. you got two young studs, two freshmen, that are playing big-time ball for Florida State, and they're not looking like freshmen. That's the most important thing. They might look like freshmen because they might be a little smaller, right? But their play, you can't tell that they're a freshman. And Cooper, man, I'm excited to see what he does this week. You know what I mean? Because, you know, people are not starting to put more microphones in his face. You know, people on social media are probably, probably congratulating him a lot more. Um, now, what, what, what will you do this week against Boston College in a very, very important ball game? But I love his game, man. He, he tackles well. and You know, I'm coming from Mickey Andrews. If you couldn't tackle, you weren't going to play for Mickey Andrews. Not at all. Like, you had, to, you had to have the mentality of a middle linebacker to play in the second day for Mickey Andrews, especially play the cornerback position, and not to mention you can't get beat. So those are the things that I look for for our secondary guys—guys guys that are number one, willing to tackle, and they tackle because they want to. They're not tackling because they're forced to do it because of their position. That's those are different, different, different mindsets. You got to want to tackle. You can't tackle. Well, I play defense, so I gotta tackle. No, I want to. I want to. He has displayed that skill set, and like I said, he's always around the football. He's always around the football.
2: Brian, talk a little bit uh, as we wrap up here, that second part, you got to be around the football and then you got to have some ball skills. Mm -hmm. When that ball's in the air, it's got to be yours.
3: No question, Keith. That's the thing I like about Cooper. Heck, if I had better ball skills, I probably would have been a first round selection. Instead I went in the second round. So I know all about that, taking advantage of the opportunities. Think about this, that interception he had was a big play, but it changed the momentum. Those are huge opportunities, that interception in the first half against Miami, and by the way, Van Dyke was one of the hottest quarterbacks in the ACC going into that ball game against Florida State. The last three ball games, he was lighting people up. Even the loss against North Carolina, it was a crazy deflection that led to North Carolina winning that ball game. He has been balling. So you, you're going against a quarterback that's playing hot football, even though he's a young fella. He was playing some high-level football, and you intercept him in the first half. I think, if I'm not mistaken, guys, we had three turnovers in the first half. Two interception and a fumble. They, they come in bunches. Turnovers come in bunches. Interception come in, come in bunches. And he went up in high point the football. And I'm like, wow, that's a great play. That's a great play. And he just kind of continued. The thing I tell people this all the time, right? Tom and Keith, you, you definitely would appreciate this. When, as a cornerback, anytime I touch the football early in the ball game, it's game time. I'm in the rhythm. I'm in the flow of a game. It's almost like a batter. The first time he's at bat, he hit a home run. <sighs> it's going to be a long game for whoever's pitching to me because now I'm in the flow. When he, when he, As a corner, when you get that ball, touch that ball to some degree, your confidence goes through the roof. Now you're in the rhythm. You're in the flow of the game. And that's what we saw. He had the interception in the first quarter. I think he finished the, the game with like three PBUs or something like that. He was always around the football. And as a young fella, like I said, the most important thing I'm going to see from Cooper is what is next. Right. Right. What is next? Because if you play like this against Miami on a national stage, against those wide receivers, it wasn't like they have some slouches at the wide receiver position along with the quarterback who we just talked about. I need to see you do this every week. Amen. Like I need, I, I need to know you didn't just – uh, you didn't hit lightning in the bottle one week, and I think he's trended to being more of a consistent guy than a here or there guy because, like you said, Clemson, he showed up.
4: Yep.
0: Yep. Final question, Brian. We're talking with Brian McFadden, former Knoll, former Steeler, Super Bowl champ. Keith and I, we understand the importance of recruiting, but we're more, let me see you on Saturday. I don't care about your stars and your tape and your huddle and all that right now. Now, that said, Travis Hunter's got himself a tape. I know know you've seen, he's up in your area. You're in the Atlanta Uh
3: area. Yep.
0: But what do you see? And I'll tell you what I like most about him. He competed in every camp over the summer. He didn't just sit back and say, oh, everybody knows me. I don't. He, he goes out because he wants to compete. That's mm-hmm. what I see in him. And, again, I'm a guy who I, I want to see it on Saturday once you get here. But what do you see in
3: him? Uh, Travis is, number one, he's a great kid. I had the opportunity, me and Pat P had the opportunity of having on my podcast. Uh, I think it was during the summertime. And he just loves football. That's why he loves to compete so much, Tom, because he just loves the game. Anytime he has an opportunity to put his cleats on, his gloves, he's going to showcase his skill set. What I think about him is a guy that could change the trajectory of our program, not just his on-the-field presence, but what, he does, what he's bringing to the table along with recruiting, which is huge. Because, yes, we've been up and down this season, right? The structure hasn't always been there, but we really haven't, we really haven't dropped off recruiting-wise. We've lost a few guys that have decommitted, but that's every school is losing guys here or there. That's just the nature of recruiting. But we're still where we need to be, and you don't usually see that from teams that have been a little inconsistent. And a lot of that has to do with the the job the coaches are doing. But the kids that are already still involved with Florida State that are coming, regardless, the Duffy kid, the quarterback from IMG, you know, Hunter. There are a lot of kids that are still trying to get kids to come with them, and that's huge. So for him, the issue that I think they will have, and I'm saying when I say they, I mean the, the coaches, where can he help the team more? Because he's an outstanding wide receiver. I, 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 and this is just my personal opinion. I think, and I, and I asked him about this. I said, um, I think you should play both ways. He's like, whatever they need me to do. I say well, I, I think you should play both ways because you're a guy that needs to have the football in his hands. Number one, he's entertaining. I can't, I can't, you can't hide that talent. When you get the football, something's going to happen. We want that back at Florida State. Mm-hmm. We need that, that Peter Ward-ish, you know what I mean? We need that, those type of uh, playmakers, the Rashad Green-ish, you know what I mean, guys? The Kenny Shaw's of the road. They, when they get the ball in their hand, we're going to stand up. He has that type of pedigree. But then he competes well as a secondary guy as well. So it's like, where do you do? And we haven't had a player to go both ways at Florida State in a long, long time. I think he can definitely change that based on what he means for either side of the football. He reminds me a lot when I watch him play wide receiver. He reminds me a lot of Devontae Smith, uh, the Heisman winner from Alabama a year ago. was a first-round selection uh, to Philadelphia because he's very, very fluid. It's almost like when he's running, he's gliding. But his ball skills are so prolific um, at, at that stage in his career. But, yeah, I, I love his game. I'm, I'm excited. I, I know early signing day is coming up right around the corner in December at some point in time. Uh, I, I wish it was tomorrow so we, can go <laughs> and get him, so we can go ahead and get him locked in. But uh, he loves Florida State. That's the most important thing as well. He wants to play for the school he, that he has love for. And he's going to give it his all, and he loves the game of football. He's a football player that happens to have a position.
0: Brian McFadden and uh, uh, Noel Gray. We
1: appreciate. It. We need to step aside. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you once again. As promised, we're going to talk a little recruiting and so we'll reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency Ensuring Your Future Together and say hello to Charles Fishpine. He is our uh, Osceola insider. He's been affiliated with the Osceola for some time, but uh, more than that, he's the founder of Elite Scouting Services and has been plugged into recruiting and and there's an art and a science to it and so we'll have a little bit of that conversation. Uh, I'm not sure if this falls in the art or science bucket, Fish, but When you're FSU and you beat Miami, it can't hurt. So is that art or science?
4: (laughs) I mean, it's a little bit of both. It's a little luck. It's a little everything. But you know what? Um, They've played well, you know, hard this year. And they finally got over the hump in a game that, uh, you know, that was one of those 50-50 games. So I definitely think it's going to have a nice little impact in recruiting. And they'll get a pump in the next month, so.
2: Fish, we make we on the outside make a big deal about rivalry games in Florida State's case, Miami and Florida. But from what you've seen over the years, what is the real benefit of of a victory over an in-state rival as it relates to recruiting? What really happens, do you think? You know, most of these kids, you
4: know, they they've, they like schools for for such a long time, whether it's Florida State or they like Miami or Florida. They have their allegiances growing up but it all comes down to you know, them getting on campus. I know one school or one coach I dealt with. He said for us to land a kid, we feel like we have to get him on campus three times before his senior year and then just get him comfortable being around the program and everything. And then once they get them over that third time, they feel like they have a shot. So, I think it's just getting them on campus multiple times, getting them comfortable. And listen, you you have a kid like James Wilder. James Wilder was a huge Gator fan growing up and um, you know, he, I remember him coming to the seminal showcase, uh, and not going to the Florida camp and they had a really good year that year and Wilder ended up committing to Florida state, even though he grew up a Gator fan. So it's just getting comfortable with the coaching staff, trusting them, believing that they're going to put you in the best position, not only to succeed at that level, but on to possibly a pro career. So
0: if you look at what Mike Norvell and company have done this year, as you know, uh, I just looked at the composite in the in the two four seven 7 rankings in Florida State's 13th. But but they've been in, in the, you know, between, I don't know, 6 and 15 most of the year, and that's based on not having a, a good couple of seasons and then the way this season has unfolded. So, first of all, and I know they lost a couple of kids over the last six weeks or so, but do you think they're in pretty good shape with who they already have, and it's a matter of just adding some guys, or do you think
4: naturally they'll still – Lose a couple just based on the way I recruiting mean, works. Listen, you, you know as well as I do, it's very tough to keep. They had 18 kids committed for a majority of the year. And you knew, the, especially the kid Travion Williams, who's from Mississippi, You have so much you have to overcome to pull a kid out of the state of Mississippi or Alabama. So you knew that the slow slow start was going to hurt them with him, and he opened up his recruitment. And the other kid ended up committing to Georgia. I mean, how can you blame the kid? They're a top-ranked team right now. So, like, listen, at least you know that you're going after the right guys when those schools are landing your kids. You're not losing them to schools that are below you but overall they 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 got these kids to believe in what they were going to do early on. I think they probably told them, "Listen, we may not show it on the on the record book that we're going to, you know, be this great team, but we'll be much improved. You're going to see what type of schemes we're going to run." And I think everything they've said has come true. And these kids believe what they've seen on the field that, hey, listen, this team has gotten better each week. They've gotten better. Yeah, they didn't win all all the games that they did. But you could tell that from the first game, the Notre Dame game to this Miami game, this team's improved in every facet. And I think the kids see that the coaches and the mentors who uh, help in their recruitment see that. And it's easier to recruit uh, once they see that, all right, if we go there at that point, they feel they're the difference between winning a lot of those games that maybe they lost. And that's a big thing for kids that, Hey, I'm the one that's going to put Florida state back on the map. And when you're selling that, Hey, listen, we're this close, but you're the guy it, that's <laughs> when you're 17, 18 and a grown up tells you you're the, you're the guy that's, it, that's hard to overcome. You know, it's, uh, oh, it's, oh, it's, sell.
2: I want to piggyback that a little bit, Fish, because what I was going to ask, and and you've kind of alluded to it, is what is the message that Norvell and his staff are communicating that is, in fact, resonating with the kids, and how consistent is that message?
4: I think they've been straight up and honest with the kids and have told them, listen, we have a team that can be competitive in each game. We'll, we're gonna win our fair share we'll probably lose our fair share but you're gonna be the difference between us being you know a five six seven win team to a national championship team and I think they keep pounding that into these kids heads and they've seen that hey the team was competitive against Notre Dame they were competitive against Clemson and when you you those games were so close that they could tell that recruit hey listen we would have won those games if you had played for us and then they're in that stadium and they're watching that those kids start visualizing themselves making those plays for Florida State and going you know you know what these coaches are right I am the difference I am going to go there I'm going to be the one that makes the difference and help them turn this program around and be great again
0: so how do you think they'll do I mean we've got a month or so maybe exactly a month I'm not looking at the calendar until you can start signing in the early signing period and I know You just mentioned the atmosphere and Mike Norvell and company, they gambled. They brought in their top recruits for two weekends, Notre Dame and Miami, and they were both great games, great atmosphere, and Florida State won one and went into the overtime in the other. But, you know, there's there's big names out there. Marvin Jones Jr. was in, Earl Little Jr., his dad played at Miami. I know they're not going to get all of them, but do you think some of these
4: uh, big fish that are out there fish are going to land with my with with (laughs) you you set me up there but i listen you know what's crazy about earl little i know his dad real well and if you've met his dad and his mom his his wife they've been out they were at the camp this summer uh they they seem like they fit there's some kids you know you look at them and you meet them and you're like all right I just can't picture that kid at FSU. I picture him at Florida. I picture that kid at Miami. Their personalities, not every kid's meant to go to Florida State. It's nothing against Florida State. Some kids are meant to go to these other schools. But when I saw him at the camp and I saw the – Uh, facial, you know, the facial expressions of the parents and how comfortable they felt. I'm like, you know what? I think they got a shot at this kid. You know, um, yeah, his parents went to, you know, one of his dad went to Miami, but I've never felt talking to his dad that Miami was an option for him. I always felt like that was something that it wasn't going to happen. That was either going to be Alabama, LSU, and FSU's just hung in there. And that's all you want to do in recruiting is stay, give yourself a puncher's chance at the end. And that's what Bobby used to do. He used to give himself a puncher's chance and then end up – you close out. you got to be a good closer, and, and Norvell's going to get his chance to close out. I think with Marvin Jones Jr., he got – I think that kid just wanted a reason to go to Florida State, and and he got it on Saturday. Like, hey, you know what? They are turning the corner. You know, no kid wants to play on a team that's not good. Um, that He saw number 11. I, I call him number 11. I know he's Jermaine Johnson and everything. But if you watch number 11 and you're Marvin Jones and you're like, all right, they have nobody else behind them that looks like that other than me. I'm going to be able to do those same things in that defense. I like what I see. That's where I want to go. And the other one is Julian Armella. I think that Armella, his father, um, you know, played at Florida State. He I was I spoke to somebody that uh, is tied to LSU about two, three weeks ago, and he basically told me that they're feeling that Armella would end up at Florida State. And that's LSU people. So whenever another coaching staff tells you, hey, I think this kid's going to go somewhere else. And the last one, I think they got a really legit shot at is Wesley Basant. He's a linebacker out of Miami Central. He's probably the best linebacker in the state, if not one of the best in the last 10 years to come out of the state. He's a very he's a guy that if you wanted to put him at corner, he could play corner. You want to put him at safety, he could play safety. And he's big enough to play linebacker. He's that athletic. He's got that much range. And Florida State needs one of those guys, one of those guys that you could go and you could put them on a Will Mallory or one of those tight ends um, on these other teams that you know can usually exploit your linebackers. He's good enough to cover those type of guys and possibly one day play on Sundays because of how versatile he is. But I think Florida State, you know, if they could add four or five more pieces in this class, they're sitting at 16, they could get to like 21. And then they add five or six more pieces through the transfer portal, get more guys in there that could help improve not only the talent improvement, but also the depth, it would really help them, especially in those games that are close. That's the difference between winning and losing a lot of those games, as you know, is when Florida State's at its peak, it's when they're rolling. It's not that first group that beats you. It's that second and third wave that come in and beat you.
2: Chris, yes, you always have an eye for this and puts you on the spot. Who Who's under the radar that wants that – Person gets to Florida State, Florida State fans are going to be very, very happy that they're there that maybe they haven't heard about yet.
4: I think that pretty much the guys that are there are ready that they're in their class. Um, you know, the one kid that the Devon Mortimer kid, he was a kid I was kind of questionable early on, um, but he's had a great year. I think he's up for like one of the Broward Player of the Year awards. So that's a good thing that he's improved a lot. Maybe, you know, they need a, I think florida state could really use a jump start in their on their special teams a punt returner a kick returner it's been a while they've had a guy that they could put back there and change the game i think dj matthews was the last one to really return a punt in a big game it'd be nice to have somebody like that and mortimer may be that guy
0: well and in that vein but the exact opposite of what keith just asked we had bryant mcfadden on earlier in the show and, mm-hmm. uh, and keith and i so you know charles we uh, we understand the value of recruiting 100%, but we tend not to get caught up in the hype too much until the guys show up and start doing it on Saturday. you know. But but Travis Hunter is one that we asked BMAC about, and, and he is one where I've actually looked at the huddle and I've watched him compete. I mean, he seems, I hate to put this on a high school kid, but it feels like a transformational commit. He's been talked about so much. Is that real, or is he just there's five guys like this every year because you follow this? I mean, what is
4: he? Now, I he, Listen, you, you saw it the first time Jalen Ramsey stepped on campus at Florida State. Those guys are just different. Him, the Derwin James, they act different. They walk different. They just have a different stride to them when they walk down. You could tell guys like him are just – you can't explain it. I, I try – the ones that are really, really special like that – Everything about him's different. And I got the chance to meet him and talk to him. And you'd be surprised. He's a very humble kid. Like, as talented as he is, he's not hes not real loud and brash and this and that. He just goes out, does his thing, and he will do a play, whether it's a seven-on-seven seven or a game or where, whatever event you see. Uh, he'll make some play where you're like, holy cow, I, did he just do that? I can't believe he did that. And you go, all right, that was Travis. And And he's just a really – Dominant player, and he's been a great ambassador already for Florida State because he's the one that's held this class together. He's the one that the reason Sam McCall, who's one of their top players in their class, is going to Florida State is 100% Travis Hunter. If Hunter didn't go, McCall would be going to Alabama or one of these other schools. So he's been a ringleader in their recruiting and keeping these kids on the hook and saying listen if you come with me we're going to get this thing turned around and he's probably their best recruiter on their staff right now so and i think the coaches will tell you that
0: final question as we wrap up what's realistic where do you
4: expect fsu to finish in the team rankings here yeah, I think they could finish right on the verge of like top 10, top 15. I don't, I got to tell you, Tom, the rankings, I've seen Florida State get top five classes. I look at balance and, and across the board, do they sign guys at each position? Because I've seen guys, you've seen it where you have a great recruiting class, there's five linebackers, and then the next year they sign one. And, and it just, that unbalanced roster is what hurts you down the road. I think they've done a very good job. Of over, they've over, they've gotten over committed players at the offensive line, and if they lost one or two, they're at their target number. They knew they were going to sign, they were going to try to get seven or eight kids to commit, knowing that one or two were not going to sign with them and get to their number. Because the worst thing you can do at a like even along the offensive line, you have a number five in your head of what you're going to sign, and you only sign two or three, and that's how they've gotten in trouble the last you know, four or five years is undersigning a certain positions. But overall, I think they're going to hit most of their needs. I really think if they could land uh, one of the guys that they're recruiting, a running back Javante Barnes out of um, Nevada, when there's another kid, uh, this um, Allen kid out of IMG, they need one of those guys. You've already seen that Norvell's proven that he could get a lot out of the running game. If he gets one of those special players, I think their offense becomes that more dynamic once they have one of those guys.
0: Hey, something came across my Twitter last night. I don't know all the names, but when somebody got a carry in, I think it was Henderson for the Rams last night, that was the fifth different Memphis running back that had a carry this weekend, which is the most of any college. Saban's only got four from Alabama that had carries this weekend. So I have to believe that that's getting trotted out there by Norvell
4: somewhere. <laughs> Well, that's a good stat to have, especially when you're trying to get one of these running backs. And the one thing he's proven and shown is that he's done a very good job of, you know, not overusing these running backs. And a lot of those kids and the parents want to know that, listen, they want the ball, but they also don't want you to run them into the ground and they have nothing left once they get to the league. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, we'll let you get run. I appreciate the insight as
0: always. I know, I don't know when the slow time is in recruiting, but I know it's not over the next couple of weeks. So good luck <laughs> and we'll catch up down the road. Thanks <laughs> okay. I appreciate you guys having me on anytime. So, our Osceola insider, uh, that is Charles Fishbine. We'll come back, wrap things up right after this on Front Row
1: Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. A
0: lot of meat on this week's front row knolls, Keith. Of course, that's nothing new. We like to give our listeners, uh, you know,
2: they're on board for the experience. It's, it's worth their investment in time, don't you think? I would hope so. You don't run to the to the uh, kitchen and get a soda and miss anything we have to say. It's that enthralling. Appreciate Brian. Well, at least our guests are anyway. Appreciate
0: Brian McFadden <laughs> and Charles Fishbine joining us uh, again. We don't we don't dive too deep into recruiting. I'm still getting used to it. We're several years into this, Keith. Talking recruiting in the middle of the football season because signing day is a month away, in my head it's going to forever be associated with the first Wednesday in February. And I know kids can sign late, and I thought when this started that some might still do that, but that isn't what
2: happened. You and I talked about it. You and I talked about it. We thought that this was an experiment that basically would go away Uh, because you know originally my thought, uh, I won't put words in your mouth, but my thought was if you're going to have an early signing day, do it on August 1st. So you don't have to worry about anything during your senior year. You can just concentrate on playing. But, you know, that December date has now become the date, and almost there's a, a negativity associated with waiting to sign in what was traditionally the signing date of old.
0: We'll see how FSU finishes up, but uh, it's been impressive. They've kept the class together for the most part this year, despite the way the season has gone. I think at this point, if guys were with them for nine weeks, and then you beat Miami, so ten games, I don't know that it really matters what happens the next two weeks. It certainly, if you got blown out two weeks in a row, which there's no indication that'll happen with this team, they fight hard. Uh, that could hurt you. And, and conversely, if, if, you, if you win two in a row and, and you're in the bowl business again,
2: that's only going to help you. So I think you got to credit the staff for what they've done. Well, I think a, a bigger part of that, uh, to transition a little bit, Tommy, is you may be right from a recruiting standpoint but from a fan standpoint and a support standpoint and a confidence standpoint, as it relates to the program, the worst thing that could happen right now is to lose to Boston college. That, that would be as big a down downer uh, as the Miami game was an upper uh, in that you've got to continue this momentum. You've got to continue to justify by action what the coaching staff has been preaching to the core group, i.e., the players that are here, and demonstrate that. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to win the ball game, but you certainly can't go up to 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 Boston College and Alumni Stadium and not perform well, or it will put that doubt back in everybody's mind. My opinion.
0: No, I I agree. That's why you know bowl games. I don't know what they do for a football team in terms of momentum, probably nothing, but they certainly create a lot of hype. If you finish the season strong in terms of selling season tickets and renewing booster memberships, there's, there's no question on that front. So you want to finish strong from there. I I will say Keith, and we've, we've had this conversation. I've never thought that an FSU team that currently at four and six would go down in my books as one of my favorite FSU teams, but this one is going to, I mean, I haven't sat and mapped out the list, but they fight so hard that they're going to be on the list. And, and uh, you know, I'm not saying they're at the top, but they're not in the bottom either, given some of the teams we've seen, even ones that won more games, if that makes sense.
2: You know, I go back to, uh, and I guess it's been amplified simply because of his passing, but, you know, the, the thing that all of our listeners have heard that Coach Bowden said, look, you're going to lose big, and then you're going to lose close, and then you're going to win close, and then you're going to win big. And we're right in the in the bottom of that trough and hopefully edging up on the positive side on that upside-down bell curve. And so that's what's exciting about it for me. Agree. And uh,
0: we already dissected the Miami game. I know everybody. How many times have you watched the fourth and 14 play, Keith?
2: Oh, gosh, a dozen. <laughs> Easily a dozen. Yeah, I know. It's
0: hard it's hard not to. It's like, oh, let me watch it again. Oh, he's still open. He still hits him. It's still a good throw. Miami's still going to lose. <laughs> Oh, Miami fired its AD this week, by the way, and I don't know what that means for Manny. Uh, it's going to be hard to hire an AD and then change football coaches, so it may mean Manny's here uh, in, in in any kind of expedient manner, anyway.
2: Well, and I, you know, you both you know him better than I do, but we both have a, a little bit of a relationship with him from the standpoint we've had conversations, and while they are rivals, uh, there is a great deal of respect for that Miami program, and obviously we loved Mark Rick, and 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 I'm very very fond of Manny. I would like for him to do well, save one game a year. Uh, So uh, if he is able to right the ship and continue on, that's okay by me. Well, it's always been that way with Miami and FSU, like
1: Ron
0: Frazier going to FSU, but becoming a legend in Miami. Leonard Hamilton cutting his teeth for a number of years at Miami, but now what he's done at FSU. So there's been a lot of of intertwined connections between FSU and Miami. All right, we are uh, out of time. We will do this again uh, after the Boston College game this weekend. Until then, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks so much for tuning in to Front Row Noles.